Amen. Amen. If you're grateful today, let's stand on our feet. Let's give the Lord an applause. Let's celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Come on, tell the Lord thank you. He's a good God. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Glory to God. While you're standing, while you're standing, I want you to repeat after me. Say this with me. Say this after me. I have great worth apart from my performance. Because Christ gave his life for me. He imparted great value to me. I am deeply loved. I am fully pleasing. I am totally forgiven. I am accepted, approved, and complete in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand, everybody. Thank God. Why don't you go ahead and be seated, please? We're so grateful today. Amen. We are complete in Christ Jesus. Amen. And you lack nothing. In Jesus, you lack nothing. Praise God. And we're grateful for that. Listen, last time we talked together, we were looking at Ananias and Sapphira. You remember them? They're the ones that came to church and told lies. Right? They thought they was lying to Peter and the leadership, but they were lying to God. The church was going through a thing, and they were suffering from financial hardships. It was a young church, and people who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ were being put out of business, and being put out of their homes, um, you know, being turned away from their families because they were considered to be um, infidels in a sense, you know, because they left what was considered the faith or they left the religion, okay? They left the religion, the temple worship, the tabernacle, the temple worship, they left that, but they really didn't leave it. What they did was continued it through the Messiah. They received Messiah, but the leadership of the day, the Jewish leadership of the day, which was also the political leadership, did not receive Jesus Christ as Messiah, okay? And so, and so the same people that went ahead and crucified the Lord also persecuted the believers of this life. And so what happened is, is that while they're doing everything, they, put, they decided to put their monies together. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's, that's what communism is supposed to be like. That's what it's supposed to be. And it's not that way, though. When you commune, you put all your resources together and divide it amongst the people. Now, somebody is going to get less than what they put in. Obviously, right? But everyone will benefit from it. And that's what the church was doing. And they was actually selling their property. Come on now. Selling their property, selling their land and their businesses, and, um, and bringing it to the church. And so there's a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. You heard of them. They came, and they sold their property. But when they came to the apostles, they said that we sold it for X amount of dollars, which was really less than what they sold it for. Right? And Peter, having a word of knowledge from the Lord, says, now, why are you lying? 
You're not lying to me. You're not lying to us. You're lying to the Holy Ghost. You're lying to God. And the man dropped dead. Boom. Ooh, horrible, horrible. Right? His wife wasn't there, so she don't know what happened. They did not notify the next kin. They just took him out and buried him. Uh-huh. You want a supernatural church? Okay. So anyhow, so Sapphira comes in, and Peter asked her the same thing. He said, how much you sell that for? And she said the same lie. And he said the same, the young men that carried your husband out is going to come and take you out too. And she drops dead. And great fear came upon the church. Now, we talk about fear this time. We're not talking about reverence. We're talking about being scared. You know, fear came upon the church. And you know what else the Bible says? The Bible says that the apostles did a lot of, the Lord used the apostles to do wonders and, and healings and deliverances and things like that. But I want, you, I want you to look at this verse here, right? Verse 13, chapter 5, verse 13 well, we must read verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch is actually a porch that was left over from the original temple. Okay? And um, that's, where they, that's where they congregated. Verse 13. And the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified the people magnified them, and believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. You have to understand children in there too. When it says that nobody joined themselves to them, it's talking about no unbeliever showed up for this. They don't want to come to that church. You know those folks that go to church just so they can find a girlfriend? They didn't come to this congregation. You know those folks just show up just so they could be among the number? No, those folks did not show. Only the believers, only the disciples were part of this church, were part of this um, movement because of the fear. Come on, if you're here shucking and jiving, you don't want to show up at a church where Peter's the pastor, right? And calling people out and folk dying. Okay, so those folks did not show up for the church, but the Lord increased his church anyhow, right? Even though even though people were scared to go there, the believers, those who believe the gospel, join. Amen? And so what we want to talk about today, we will just a little, a little while talk about how, how there's a need for discipline in the Lord's house. Amen? Amen. Because we want, we want to be free, right? We want to have a free-flowing service. We want to have the move of the Spirit. We want to see the signs and wonders. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit operate. We want the fivefold ministry to be functioning amongst us, all this stuff, right? But all that stuff, it requires order and discipline. Amen. See, the, the congregations that you admire, you may have seen them on TV, you may have seen them up close. The congregations that you admire, that you admire have order and discipline. Oh, yeah. There's some things that don't be tolerated. It's not tolerated. So don't get mad when they take your baby, when they ask you to take your noisy baby out the house. I was preaching at a church one time, and my baby was making noise, and my wife and my baby had to leave. Oh, yeah, because it was a disturbance. Okay? It was a distraction. Amen. And so, and so what we're saying is that order is required in the house of God. 
Order is required. That's why we have elders and, and deacons, and we have people in different positions. We have ushers, right? And we have different ones to keep order in the house. That's why we have rules about how we do things. Some of these rules are unwritten, I understand, right? But um, there's, a, there's a way that we go about certain things. Every house of God, every congregation has their way of doing things. And it's the order of the house. Now, in some churches, when we read the Bible, everybody stands, right? Amen. In some places, you don't dress down. Other places, everybody dress down. All right? Those kind of things. You know, there, you know there's, the, there's a time for this and a time for that. And some, some are more flexible than others. All right? But there's an understanding that there's a way that we do things, and there's things that we have to follow. And, in, and this is a young church right here that we're reading about with Peter and them. They're a young church. And they're actually babes in Christ, all of them, even the apostles, even though they hung out with Jesus for three years. They weren't quite saved yet until the day of Pentecost or just around that time, just before that. Okay? And so what happened is that, that, that God is establishing order in his church. And one of the things that he established here is that you don't come in here lying to me. And you know, everybody understood that after Ananias and Sapphira. Everybody understood that. Don't mess around in this place. God is a God of order. He's the same God, he, he's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Same one. Same one. And Jesus Christ is his son. Amen? And so that's what they understood. And so when we look at God in the Old Testament, the same God that, that in um, the book of Joshua, when Achan stole that stuff, Somebody reminded me of that earlier today. When Achan stole the stuff from Jericho that he was supposed to have, the people were disciplined for that. The whole congregation suffered because that man cheated. He cheated. He stole stuff, stole, he stole stuff from Jericho and hid it in his tent. And when they went to the next battle, which was just a little place named Ai, they lost in 30 30 people died. 30 men died. Sons and fathers and brothers died in that battle. Right? And Joshua went before the Lord and cried and, and complained and said, what is going to happen? We can't even beat this little group of folk over here. You know, what? and he asked the Lord, and the Lord told him, get up from there, get off your face, because you have sinned. Did Joshua sin? No, Joshua didn't sin. Did everybody sin? No, not everybody. But that one guy and his family did, and the whole congregation suffered. They all got credit for it. They got credit for his wrongdoing. Isn't that terrible? Can you imagine? You, you may have been in that situation. You might have been in the classroom, might have been in the, in the workplace. Somebody did the wrong thing, you know, and everybody suffered. I tell those kids all the time, the innocent suffers with the guilty. Oh, it's not fair, Hey, it's not fair, but that's how it is. And what I'm helping that they do is that folks with a conscience will, will feel bad about making everybody else suffer. The ones without a conscience don't care. But what they need is some peer leadership. Not peer pressure, peer leadership. And we need some peer leadership among us, too. Amen? So, so everybody suffered, 
in, the, in, the, in Jericho, everybody suffered. Joshua and the Lord told him, you sin. You got to find. Now, the Lord could have told Joshua who the sinner was. But instead of telling Joshua who to find, he made them go through the whole congregation, tribe by tribe. When they found out it was in the tribe of Judah, they went through all the families of Judah, all the families of Judah, until they got to Achan. And at any time, Achan could have stood up and said, it was I. Right? He could have done that. But maybe he thought he wasn't going to get caught. Maybe he thought they'd get missed. You ever, um, no, not you, but... <laughs> And maybe in your past, people done things and think they weren't going to get caught. I ain't saying nothing. If they don't find out it's me, I'm not fessing up either. Right? Maybe, maybe you had experience like that when you was a sinner. Well, that's what Aiken did. He thought he wasn't going to get caught. And he went to all the families. Then they got to his, his heritage and went down his family line and it was him. Right? And Joshua said to Achan, he said, give glory to God and confess what you did. And he gave glory to God and confessed what he did. And Joshua stoned them and they killed them dead. He and his family, their pet, goldfish, everybody. Killed them all. Just wiped them out of existence. Didn't leave no descendants behind. And the plague and the sin was taken from the camp. That's discipline, y'all. It's kind of harsh, isn't it? It's kind of harsh to make everybody suffer for one man's sake. Well, thankfully, in the book of Acts chapter 5, only two people suffered for their own fault. And everybody else got scared. And that's a scary thing. So it's important. The Lord wants discipline in this house. And so, and it's up, it's up to leadership to to, to um, implement the Lord's discipline. There's some things the Lord does on his own, right? Like, you, you, you know, you do some things, um, you, you'd be a troublemaker, and the Lord handles it himself. You know, many times he'll handle it himself, and not always right away. But he doesn't forget. He catches up to you, um, by the way, and, and, um, and you suffer for what you did. You know, you act, you act up, and you do some wrong things, and then somebody else acts up and gives you a hard time about it because of what you've done, because of the seeds that you've sown, right? You know, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And there's some folks who have reaped some bad things because they behave badly. And it's not always right away. Like, I want to see God do it right now. <laughs> like, you know, Lord, the folk are messing with me. Take care of it. Handle it. And the Lord doesn't handle it to my satisfaction. Not right away. But he's not trying to satisfy me, is he? Amen. Yes, he's the one that needs to be satisfied. In other words, Jesus told us that you have to pray for those who despitefully use you. Right? You know, love your enemies. Do good to them. Bless those that curse you. Because the Lord's going to get them. He's going to get them. And you need to pray for them so the Lord... Can, so they could be converted. Amen. Now, don't pray like I used to pray. Get them, Lord. Beat them. Beat them down. Then save them. But beat them up first. I don't think that's the proper way to pray. Right? You know, even though that's, what, that's, that's my heart. I want to see them suffer, man. I want retribution. 
Uh-huh. I want him to know that he don't mess with Faison because you got my back. And the Lord doesn't do that for me. But eventually the Lord takes care of, he takes care of the stuff. And I have to be satisfied with, with obeying God. Lord, I want to obey you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going pray to for, pray for this person like you told me to. Right? And, um, and you know, because I want to be in obedience to you, even though it goes against my nature. But I want to be spiritual in this respect. So help me, Lord, to do this thing. And help me to forgive. Help me not to hold a grudge. Help me not to, um, you know, be, be that way. You know, it's hard, even difficult for me to get the words out sometimes. <laughs> but the Lord knows what needs to be done, and I have to trust him for it. So, well, when it comes to the house of God, it is his house for sure. Right? It's his house. Right? And so, it's, it's important for us to be trained and disciplined and taught. That's why we have to teach the word. We have to teach the word. We have to stay in the word. The word, if we get the word in us, the word will discipline us. See, here's what happens for us individually. When it comes to us messing up and sin and doing things wrong, you get this, you get this, um, you get this notion, you get this conviction by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit along with your conscience, if you have one of those, you know, it said, face and this is wrong, man. Don't do that. That happens. Uh-huh. Say amen. Pretend. It happens. The Lord will let you know that don't, what you're about to do is the wrong thing. Don't do the wrong thing. Right? And then when you press through that and do the wrong thing anyway, right? The same Holy Ghost, same conscience, this is wrong. Dude, there's going to be consequences. However the Lord speaks to you. There's going to be consequences for this bad behavior. What you're doing is wrong. It's not worth it. You better stop while you're doing it. And of course you don't stop. Right? And then the thing is over. And you know, and then after that there's a guilty feeling, there's a there's a conviction saying what you did was wrong and um and you should be worried about this and you should have a little anxiety about sinning against the Lord. Okay? And if you're wise enough to repent somewhere in between this stage or afterwards, you still suffer the consequences. Because he disciplines those whom he loves. He chastens the word. The King James says chasten those whom he loves. Like the father who scourges the son in whom he delights. Amen. I'm a son. I've been scourged. Figurative. You know, I haven't been whipped that hard. I've been take, I took some beatings. But not, you know, I, not, not scourged, scourged. Right? But anyhow, so what the Lord does he, he, he disciplines us individually. And the purpose of discipline, we say it all the time, is to restore the fellowship. Right? Right? Because when you sin, do you break the fellowship? The relationship is still there. But the fellowship is broken. You're not getting along right now. Just like the, the child who disobeys his or her parent. The fellowship is broken. And the, you can tell the fellowship is broken because mom is upset. Mom, dad, nana, somebody is upset with you and disappointed, at least disappointed, and maybe even mad. You know, some parents get mad, y'all. Right? And the fellowship is broken, and I don't even want to talk to you right now. Right? But the wise parent does, you know, cools off 
and talks to the child and then hands out discipline for the child. However that discipline is, that's the parent's business. Amen. Some people, there's a timeout generation, and they think that works. All right? You need a timeout. Go to your room. You know, you need timeout, and, and maybe it works for somebody. It hasn't worked for the folks in this room, but, it, it, you know, <laughs> you know, but it hasn't. But anyhow, and there's other discipline, but the idea of discipline is not revenge. It's not to punish. I got some amens over here. It's not, it's not for revenge or punishment, D. You don't want to get revenge on your child. Actually, you do, but you know not to do that. All right? Because they hurt you, I'm going to get them. No, no, no. The idea of discipline is to restore the fellowship. It's to teach and restore the fellowship. Person needs to know that you cannot do this and, and get away with it. This is bad behavior, and we're trying to keep you from doing this bad behavior again. So whether we're dealing with children and parents or whether we're dealing with another structure, whether it's on the job, in business, or in school, or in church even, you know, the idea is to restore the fellowship and for the offender to learn that this is an offense against us, against the Lord, and you should not do this anymore. And so you're going to suffer a little bit for it or suffer a lot, depending on what it is. Amen? Amen. And that's how the Lord keeps order. That's how he keeps discipline. And it's done in love. You ever hear that lie, this hurts me more than hurts you? You ever heard that? You know, your feelings are hurt, but this is going to tear me up. Right? You know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Oh, come on now. Don't even say that stuff. Don't tell that. Don't tell that tale. Okay, you are hurt. You are hurt, and you're disappointed, you know, and you feel bad. And you even feel bad that you have to discipline the child. You know, it's a terrible thing to have to do that. But it has to be done. The Bible says in Proverbs that if you spare the rod, you hate your son. In other words, you don't love him enough to discipline him. And there's some folks walking around unloved. Unloved. And because they're unloved, they act crazy. And they act out of order because they haven't been loved the way they should be loved. Well, don't worry about God is not that kind of parent. He will discipline us. He will chasten us. He will put us straight. Amen? Because the way he loves us. You are loved by God. Amen. If you're not sure if you're loved by God, just keep living. Keep doing Take advantage of him. Say, he don't love me. He don't care what I do. And see what happens next. No, I'm not encouraging you to do that. Don't do that. Look at the, the, look at the examples of the other people who have done that. Don't do it yourself. But in any case, in any case, saints, we have to be mature. We have to grow in grace. We have to come up to a standard of holiness, right? And holiness is, the holiness that you have is a gift of God. He gave you holiness by making you one of his sons and daughters, by, by saving your very soul, by taking your sins away. And now we have to conduct ourselves like holy people. Amen? 
Amen. We have to work out that soul salvation. That salvation that he put in you has to be demonstrated on the outside as well. Okay? And while you're doing that, and while you're um, attempting to do that, and when you mess up, he's going to help you out. And he's going to make you aware that this is wrong, and this has consequences. Okay? Now, we don't have to name the list of sins and things like that. You know what's wrong. Amen? Amen. You know what's wrong. The, I, I told you a story about um, the, the gang leader back in the day named Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz and, and, um, and da David Wilkinson, the Pennsylvania preacher that the Lord told to go to Harlem. You know, he in the sticks of Pennsylvania, and the Lord tells him to go to Harlem to minister, right? And he comes across this gang, these gang members and stuff like that, and one of the leaders' name is Nikki Cruz, right? And Nikki Cruz, he, later on, he becomes a great preacher for the Lord and a servant of God and a minister and everything. But at the time, right, he, you know, at some point during ministry, he, he, gets, he comes to faith in Jesus. He gets saved. He gets saved, right? And he's living his life. He and his girlfriend are together, you know, living together and stuff like that. And they recognize something's not right. They weren't told about fornication, right, and adultery and things like that. But they recognize something, something's not right here, okay? It was something in them, without even being taught the word about it yet, that this is not, this is not correct, all right? And they, went and, they, and they went into the word, or they went to counsel, and they found out that they, they, sh they should be married. Amen? Amen. So, they, of course, they got married later, and they did that. So what I'm saying is that the Lord has a way of showing us. And he has, he has a gentle way. You know, like a still small voice. Like a little nudge, right? Like, like, you know, hey son, you know, look at this. this you know, he has a gentle way of doing things. You know? And he's a, he's a gracious father. And a gracious God. And he'll whisper to you. He'll, he'll show you. He'll expose you to yourself. But guess what? When that doesn't work, when you're exposed to yourself and it's time to repent, it's time to confess, it's just me and the Lord and he's showing me that I'm wrong and it's time for me to confess and sin, confess the sin and stop doing the behavior. He exposed you to yourself. If that doesn't work, guess what? He exposed you a little bit outside. Just a little bit more, not everybody. Just a little bit more so you can have conviction. Right? So you could be embarrassed. Hopefully you can be embarrassed in front of somebody who loves you and they'll cover your sin and so you can repent. Oh, but if that doesn't work, that's what the Lord does. He just opens up and makes that circle a little bit bigger and gradually a little bit bigger and at, at some point you get exposed to everybody. You know? And then you got somebody like the Apostle Paul say you should have put him out. That man who laid around with his father's wife, he shouldn't even be in the church. Right? That's what Paul said. He shouldn't be there. Put him out. Turn him over so he could be disciplined. So he could suffer and come back. Because discipline is not punishment, y'all. And it's not revenge. It's to restore fellowship. It may look like punishment. It may feel like revenge. They getting me for what I did. You know, it may appear to be that way. 
but it's to restore fellowship. And sometimes to restore fellowship, you have to send people off. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. Sometimes people have to be sent away so the fellowship can be restored. Sometimes that, that grown person in your house has to find somewhere else, somewhere else to live. Uh-huh. Because the fellowship is broke. And you're not going to be in my house with broke fellowship. Right? And they have to go somewhere else. Sometimes you have to do what it says in... in um, Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. At some point, when the young man was out there in the world, and, and there was a famine, and it says, no man gave unto him. Nobody supported his habit. Nobody supported his stuff. And after that, he came to himself. There's some folks that need to be cut off. And this is easier said than done now. But there are some points you have to break things off. Right? So they could be out there and suffer without you. And then in the meantime, you're at home suffering too. You know you have to, may have to go in your, cro- your secret closet and cry it out. And say, oh Lord, please don't, you know, don't let this happen. Don't let that happen. You know, you know, however you pray for these wayward ones. Right? But sometimes folks have to be away. You have to turn away from some people. So God could deal with them. Or Satan could deal with them. And they come back. All right? But there's, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done. But in any case, you and I have to understand that God requires order and discipline. Amen? Amen. 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 And, and discipline is not, it's not pleasant. But it's effective. Amen? It's effective. And we have to discipline ourselves and we have to discipline the people that report to us. Whether it's family members or business or whatever. Folk need to be disciplined and you want to restore the fellowship. I'm not saying, you know, some people, and when it comes to business, some people just need to be fired. I mean, it's just, you're out. You, we tried this, we tried that, and we tried that. We got this p- performance improvement plan and you failed our whole plan, you got to go. Right? Amen. Now, hopefully we don't do that in the church. Well, we try not to. Sometimes people need to change membership. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's required. Sometimes they have to do it. You know, you got to go. Amen? Amen. Because we have to have order. So in any case, order and discipline is the, is the word for the day, y'all. That's what we need. We need to do things order decently and in order. Amen? Amen. Amen. So God can be glorified. There's no glory in a church that's out of order. There's no glory in people who misbehave and allow them to misbehave. God doesn't glorify in that. And if you read the Bible, you see the Lord has no problem with exposing his own folk. You know, from, from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses, the whole group, David and all of them, God exposed them all. 
So he has no problem exposing the patriarchs and the elders and the fathers and folk like that. So you know he got no problem with us. Right. Even though we have, we have a grace that they did not have necessarily. But the Lord wants us to come together and get it right. Get it right. Amen? You know, and I say it again. He starts with you, and he exposes it to you. And if that's not enough, he'll expose it to the next one, someone else. And if that's not enough, he'll make the circle a little bit wider. And if that's not enough, he'll make the circle a little bit wider. And he'll just keep expanding that circle of people being, of people knowing who you are and what you've done. Because he's grace and mercy. Amen? And it's not his will that anybody perish, but that all people come to repentance. Let's stand together.